Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cut to Reveal. We're going to do something a little bit different in that this is going to be a shorter version compared to our other episodes. This is going to be exclusively to the podcast and not going to be on our YouTube channel. So keep that in mind. As always, I'm Ricky, and I'm here with Peter. Hello, everyone. So we're going to play you a clip uh, from an interview I did with Walter Merch, someone that we both, me and Ricky, uh, think of as a hero, I think, uh, as many other video and film editors He's someone who finds a lot of like connections between like art and science and architecture and uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of unexpected connections and correlations. I think his mind just works a little bit different than for most humans. Anyway, uh, the clip is about a system of editing a scene and that we as editors can have different systems and it's completely fine. Let's roll the tape. I was at a panel with Richard Harris, who was one of the editors on Titanic, and they asked Richard, they said, what, what's, what's your system of editing a scene? And he said, I choose the last shot of the scene and then work backwards uh-huh, to the front uh-huh. of the scene. My peculiarity is that I edit without sound, so that when I'm editing even a dialogue scene, I watch the body language and the lips. I know what they're saying. In a sense, I make myself willingly deaf so that I pay much more attention to these micro expressions and body language. And then when I've assembled the scene and maybe even done a series of changes, then I'll turn on the sound. Mostly it's correct, but sometimes it's wrong and then I have to fix that. But other times it It's a chance juxtaposition of a sound that is actually very good. And that's also a general approach to how I work. I I like to be prepared, but on the other hand, I like that preparation to allow chance to enter into the process. Because for some reason, those moments that happen by chance are more magical because the audience doesn't feel the intention behind them. They seem to grow organically out of the mood of the shot and the mood of the actor and the scene itself. I mean, D.D. Allen, the famous American editor of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, her process was exactly the opposite. She edited the sound without reference to the picture, as if it's a radio play. And then once she had it sounding right and the rhythms of the speech were correct, then she would give the sound to an assistant and say, Put some picture to this. (laughs) And Richie Marks, who was one of the editors with me on Apocalypse Now, he was a hair assistant. And suddenly, you know, but he said it was a fantastic way of learning. He would do the best job he could, and then he would give it back to her, obviously, and then she would refine it further. So every editor has different ways of approaching the work. The thing that struck me about this interview with Walter is the idea that he, as a sound editor, initially a sound editor, edits without sound as like his first and probably second or third passes kind of blew my mind. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But also it makes perfect sense in regards to like really looking for the reactions of the actors compared to like how they sound. Using that to really get to the heart of the scene and the emotion that's happening in the scene. I thought that was really interesting. And then hearing the other other editors uh, and how they edited, like the woman who edited without picture and just edited sound. Didi Allen, yeah. Yeah, 
And I can't even imagine because full disclosure, I never went to film school. So I never actually worked with film. And then editing a film with just sound and then having somebody else put the picture to it also blows my mind. (laughs) I can't even imagine the complication of that. I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah, yeah. I think that Walter's approach um, comes from the fact that sound can make a bad edit work. And likewise, if you have bad sound, then it can make a cut uh, not work, even though it works visually. Mm -hmm. As he said, like, you know, we all work differently and that's completely fine. But I find his approach and his like thinking behind it more close to my heart. I usually edit both video and audio at the same time. But when I have a cut that won't work, I usually get a sense, like very often I get a sense that maybe actually it's not the cut that doesn't work. It's just that I have a temp audio right now. So I will then mute a track just for a moment, Mm. rewatch it without any audio. And if it works, like is the pacing of the visual is correct, then I will just turn on the audio again and I know that I will clean it up later. Yeah. Talking to uh, the master of, you know, of editing uh, was just something that I still kind of believe I had the pleasure of doing. <laughs> so Dream come true. Yeah, that's a dream come true. That's true. So if you want to like listen to the whole interview, uh, it's on Cut to the Point uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, I, I strongly, strongly encourage you to do it. It's not me. It's not me giving you like, you know, some shitty advice. It's one of the greatest minds <laughs> in the filmmaking world. Yeah. So as usual, everybody, if you could like and at least share this with one person, we'd be so grateful for it. And as always, we would love to know what you think about the podcast. Some have even said that it's underrated. But it's hard so. to argue with it. It's hard to argue <laughs> with it. I just want to add, right? <laughs> and by the way, like think of a, like a specific person in your mind and do share the podcast with them. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody, hope you have a great day. Take care.